in celebrating Christ and for your faithfulness and your attendance in worshiping the Lord and singing praises. I just enjoyed that song. He knows my name and he knows my need and holds my hand. What a great blessing. Amen. He knows my name. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, that's my name, that Lordson will believe in him, should not perish, but Lordson will have everlasting life. He knows my name. What a blessing. Um, want to say one more time, I, don't, uh, I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness in praying for our ministry in India, praying for my family, and uh, supporting us faithfully. Thank you so very much, Pastor, for the opportunity of allowing me to stand here and uh, bring God's word. And thank you for standing in the gap for us and considering us and thinking of us and supporting us faithfully. I really like Sister Cynthia because she sends the money for us. <laughs> uh, it's good to see her in person. She writes email to us and uh, encourages us, and that's a blessing. Um, somebody asked me, did you, a uh, pastor asked me, did you take a nap? Actually, yesterday morning, I received a text message from Pastor Shemish, and he wanted to know when I'm leaving from here, and he said, Lord willing, I'll be in the, uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday night, I will be in Brisbane, I may try to meet you, or maybe on Monday morning, so I really, really spent whole evening, and God really answered my prayer. I pray that Pastor Shemish will not come to church. <laughs> I would not be able to preach in front of him. <laughs> my heart would be beating, and I would be stammering. So God really answered my prayers. <laughs> I love him. I want to meet him, but I cannot preach in front of him. <laughs> so I don't want to take much time and um, just want to show you some pictures. You know, when, uh, when, it, when you think about India, all that we think about the slum and the poor and the bagging and all this thing, and that is true. But I want to show you how great my country is. I want to tell you how great our God is that he has even blessed India. And, uh, and I'm going to take you on a journey uh, to show you how God has blessed our country. Now, that's about the colorful India. Um, India is a, uh, a land of re uh, religion. There are several, so many religions. And Hinduism is basically, uh, um, uh, you know, a, a pagan religion. And their temples are with multiple colors, many gods. Yeah, so this is the map of India, and uh, this is where I come from. This is where we are serving God in uh, Panjim, Goa. We have three churches right up on the north of Goa, and then in Panjim Center, and then in the tip of Goa in the south. And I pastor three churches, uh, morning 8 a.m. in Hindi. Then we drive to the south uh, in the center at 10 a.m. in English, and then we drive to the south at 4 o'clock for our service in Konkani. And... Um, So that's the map of India. This is our prime minister, a very wicked man. But there is something good about this man. This man uh, comes from a very, very, very poor background. When he was small, he was selling tea in the railway station, getting into the compartment, selling tea. And he's, uh, he lived a very poverty li uh, life um, and used that money for his education. And today, he's the prime minister of India and serving the second term as the prime minister of India taking some inspiration that hard works really pays. 
This is the second largest bridge that is uh, third largest, second largest bridge. It's 5.1 kilometers and that is in Goa, recently inaugurated. And um, our church is basically here. This is, our, this is the city. I live on the other side of the bridge. So we cross the bridge every day to go to the city. This is Taj Mahal. Everybody knows it was built by a Mughal emperor. Um, and he built it because he loved his wife. But I don't believe it because after that he married three times. Uh, but this is one of the seven wonders of the world. If from any direction, north, south, east, west, you check it. It will all look the same and built with precious stones and precious marbles. This is the gate of India. When the Queen of uh, England, when India ruled, uh, when British ruled India, the Queen of England would come. They built this in order to welcome her. And you might know this hotel. This is the Taj Hotel in, in uh, Mumbai, one of the glory of India, where the terrorists attacked. They just came in and killed the people. Uh, there is a movie that has come out, Hotel Mumbai. And um, this is how it was when they attacked. They just went in mercilessly, teenagers. 18, 19, 20, mentally they are brainwashed. They were said, if you kill people, you will go to heaven and you will have 72 virgins. Somebody forgot to tell them how many mother-in-laws they will have. <laughs> so, this is recently erected. This is the largest, the tallest statue in the world. It has not yet made it in the wonders of the world. But it is uh, the tallest statue in the world, the Statue of Unity. Um, this is the Golden Temple. If you ever meet a person in Australia with a turban, they are from the religion of Sikh. They are, the, they are one group of people that they are very open about listening to the gospel. So the people, of, the people in the Sikh religion, they are very open about it. They are peaceful people. And so this temple belongs to them. It's called as Golden Temple. Thousands of people come every day to see this. Thousands of people are fed every day. They believe in feeding the poor, feeding everybody. So even the rich will go just to eat there. And, and they are feeding all the time. But at the same time, there are thousands of people waiting in line just to wash the cups and plates after these people have eaten because they believe by washing cups and plates, they can have their sins forgiven. Thank God for Jesus and for the blood of Christ. This is the river Ganga where people, the Hindus believe if they dip themselves into the water that their sins will be forgiven. So every month they will go. You see some people are in the water and some are changing their cells and um, even the dead bodies are thrown. It's dirty, okay? But it's very dirty. There are, um, the spiritual gurus will not have bath for three, four years. They will be in the mountains during meditation. After four, five years, they'll come and wash their dirt. And the others will go and believe that their sins are getting forgiven there. It's a very dirty. This is a four-line traffic in India. This is what you will be welcomed for. And when Brother Danny came to our, uh, once, he actually fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. <laughs> so... This is a traffic of India. You will see anytime at the peak season. When we have three lanes, it will turn into five lanes. If we have five lanes, it turns to 15 lanes. And the, there will be uh, you know, tuk-tuk uh, and rickshaws and bikes will be moving. But people will be moving in between. There will be business going on in the middle of the road. Uh, that's, that's India for you. Jolly India. This is sometime once in a while when they don't get sit, they climb up on the, tree, uh, on the train. Street foods. People like street foods. It's, uh, this, uh, 
you know, people would sit on the street outside and just eat and save a lot of money. And this is known as uh, bail puri, which is made out of puffed uh, uh, rice. It's delicious, trust me. <laughs> uh, in India, when we... <laughs> In India, we don't have burgers with bacons. For the first time when I came, I ate burgers and bacon in Sydney, and I believe me, I enjoyed it. It was delicious. Uh, but in India, we have you have that Big Mac. We call it Maharaja means King Mac, and it's chicken and veg, no beef. Spicy. And this is giant masala dosa made out of uh, wheat flour, and then they put potato and tomato and onion. These are street fruits where a whole family can eat one masala dosa. This is chai. They called tea pulling, and this is very famous. When you come to India, you should drink tea in the street, not in the hotel. It's very delicious. Um, people in uh, in Australia may use colors to celebrate or play, have fun. It, the origination is from India. It's a Hindu religion uh, festival where they celebrate the victory of good over the evil and. Um, and they apply colors, and they will have dance, and they will sing, uh, have big music, and then in the evening, they will drink and fight all the time, okay? So they celebrate this once in a year. This is holy. It's a colorful thing. A uh, lot of Western people come to India to celebrate this festival. Uh, it's a big thing in India, applying colors and celebrating. This is the bride in India. In, 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 in our Christianity, we give rings, but in Hindu, they tie the knot with a yellow thread. And the marriage is a big thing. It's a competition. If your, bride, if your daughter has dressed up better, I'm going to spend more money for her dress and for her jewelry. And this is how the bride is dressed up for their wedding. Um, this is Indian traditional marriages. It's a big thing. Lots of money goes into weddings in India. You may always hear about, um, you know, the poverty and the slum and all this thing. But this is the richest man in India. This house belongs to him, Antilia. This is the most expensive house ever built anywhere in, the, in any part of the world. And that's located in Mumbai in India. The most expensive home in the world is in India. This is Mukesh Ambani. His wife is Nita Ambani. She, she will not wear the same dress tomorrow again. The dress she wears once will not be worn again. She will sell it or send it for auction. Uh, this house stands right in the, uh, surrounded with the slums. Uh, all the slums are surrounded there. Uh, but he stands, if you can guess what is up on the top, there are, uh, there are three helipads, helicopters. His private helicopters will come and land over there. And he has 5,000 servants working for him right there. This is his interior house, uh, Mukesh Ambani. Their cars are all made up of gold and silver. That's India, come on. <laughs> gold and silver, and they have thousands of cars uh, just parked uh, under the, this. You know, the tea, how much does her chai tea cost each morning? Can anyone guess? 10,000 US dollar every morning when she drinks a tea. 10,000 US dollar every morning. That's India. It's not just about slum and this. Guess what? He sits on a golden toilet. He, he really has good digestion system, perhaps. <laughs> so he will sit in a golden toilet. That's his toilet. My heart broke when I was in Rockhampton. Nobody knew who he is. 
This is Sachin Tendulkar, the greatest batsman ever in the world. William Carey came to India, the missionary, uh, came from England, translated, uh, learned, mastered 17 languages, translated the Bible into 17 vernacular languages of India. And uh, he abolished several social evils of India, but the Indian government do not give credit to him. Even the history of India is changed. English education was brought by William Carey. English newspaper came by William Carey. English universities came to India by William Carey's, uh, but India will not give. Here I want to bring attention to, please. This is Mahatma Gandhi, and he is dressed up with Western outfit, and he was a lawyer, studied well in England. But one day when he went to South Africa, when there was an apartheid, mo apartheid moment with black and white, and he took a ticket, he had money, he was wearing suit, he went into the compartment of the first class, he was sitting on a first class compartment, there were a few white people who came, caught him and kicked him out of the train because he was brown and he was not supposed to sit in a first class compartment and he, he got angry with these people of, the, uh, of that skin and so he took off his suit and wrapped up uh, this linen around him. The next Sunday, he went to church in South Africa. And in the church, because he did not have suit, they kicked him out. And he said this, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. William Carey shared the gospel to him. William Carey went to his home, had Bible studies. He read the New Testament. He read the Sermon on the Mount over and over again. But he would not trust in Christ. Now, that's his fault for looking at the people instead of looking at Christ. But then we have our duty to perform with our characters, attitude, words. And he said, if all Christians acted like Christ, the whole world would be Christian. And that is true. Well, I don't believe in this. She's known as the most beautiful woman in the world, but I believe my wife is the most beautiful woman in the world. This is the God that they worship. They worship him. This is an elephant God, they believe. The story behind is um, when his mother conceived, the father went for meditation in the forest. And after many years, he's coming back. The father doesn't know who's the son. The son doesn't know who's the father. The mother goes to have bath in the bathroom. She has no door. She puts a screen. She says, don't let any man come in while I'm having bath. And so the father, after many years, is returning back home. The son has no idea who's the father. Father has no idea who's the son. The father wants to get into the house. The son does not allow him to get into the house because mom said not to get in. The father takes off the sword, chops off his head. Blood keeps rushing down as the sea. Mother comes screaming out. Mother says, you killed my son. Now make him alive. Do something. The father goes back into the forest, chops off the head of the elephant, brings the elephant and puts it on the son. And now he is God. So they worship an elephant God. Now, so he is known as the God of prosperity because he is very healthy, has a big belly. Otherwise, you would have qualified for a Baptist. <laughs> so, um, that's Ganesh. And they are actually, they take a long procession, dip, uh, drown him in the water every year, and then again every year. This is, this thing that you have in the hand is Sri Lanka, that they believe. That this god, half monkey, half animal, puts Sri Lanka in there, is a teardrop of India. So, they believe that Sri Lanka was carried, that land of Sri Lanka was carried and laid there by this monkey god, and they worship the monkey god in India. Uh, it's a bad, uh, it's a, that is a goddess of death. She's very evil. 
that Shiva, basically you will have all this story in the Bible. They have taken the biblical truth and changed it into a lie and they worship the fallen angels. The fallen angels are their gods. Okay, I could actually go on and tell you and connect you where the Bible speaks about, but uh, we don't have time. They worship the cobra. Uh, just last year, a cobra came through on um, the boundary of our house. My wife called me out and I took a stick and killed the cobra. My neighbor is a Hindu woman. She's a friend of my wife. She's a wonderful woman. But our heart was broken because a pastor killed the, her God. So they worship cobra as their God. They also make vows and run over the fire. Very satanic. And Satan has power too. This basically, according to the Bible, is Solomon, uh, 7,000 wives, and they worship uh, Krishna. This is Krishna, according to Hindu religion, and they worship him, and he had 7,000 wives. He's the god of romance, and they would pray to him if they want a bride or thing. And that's basically the typical dress that an Indian woman would wear. I think that's done. Thank you. <laughs> so we work among the children. We have worked among about 100 children from the slum. Uh, we, God has given us liberty, and uh, we are able to go to the homes of many, uh, many of these children. And um, we actually have about 10 families from our slum ministry coming to our church and attending and they actually believe in the Lord Jesus. There are many who come, but they are not saved. Um, I would encourage you to continue to pray. I received a letter from a Hindu extremist, and it was actually slipped through my door. And it says, by 2023, you need to either convert to Hinduism or get out of the country. And it was not actually given to me only, but many other pastors also have received, I believe. Um, I know they are threatening. That's not going to happen but they are definitely threatening us and it only wakes up the church to get up and get going and be more faithful. Turn your Bible with me to the book of Philemon this evening as we look into the scripture. Thank you, brother, for reading the book of Philemon. And um, so I will not spend time reading this verse. We'll just I will take you through and... Uh, and we will stop at certain points and see what the Lord has for us. Father, would you please help me today to bring your word in simplicity and in clarity? Father, would you please fill me with thy Holy Spirit and give me the words of utterance. Cover me behind thy cross, O Lord, so that Jesus Christ may be glorified. O Lord, I pray that thou will give a receptive heart to your children this evening. That they will understand what you want me to share. I give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' sweet name I pray. Amen. I'd like to talk to you today on a peculiar Christian. A peculiar Christian. Somebody said, A pastor who serves the Lord in, German, in Germany. Do you know? What a pastor in Germany is called as? German shepherd. <laughs> a pastor in India is known as Karimancho. <laughs> and a pastor in Australia is known as Queenslander. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> 
All right, I don't know, I just made it up. All right. Philemon is a, just a one chapter speaks about Philemon was a great Christian, wonderful Christian, a type of a Christian that you and I should follow his example. He was a rich man, he was well-to-do, he owned slaves, and there was a man in his, uh, in his home who was working for him as a slave, and his name is Onesimus. Onesimus uh, worked for Philemon, but one day Onesimus gets up and he steals certain things from Philemon's house and without informing, runs away from Philemon's house and he ends up in Rome. In Rome, he meets Paul, Apostle Paul in, a, in the prison. And Paul preaches the gospel to Philemon and Philemon actually gets saved. And then Paul and Onesimus, Onesimus gets saved and Paul is now talking to Onesimus and they come to know who Philemon is. They have a mutual friendship. Paul writes this letter to Philemon about Onesimus. What is he writing? Let us look into the word. The Bible says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. I like that word, prisoner of Jesus Christ. My dear friends, if you and I are saved today, you and I should be willing to say, Lord, I am willing to be voluntarily become your prisoner. Now, you don't have to go into the jail to be a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, Paul is in the prison for preaching the gospel. But my dear friend, if you and I don't become a prisoner today for the Lord Jesus Christ, then you and I will be a prisoner of the world. And so, Lord, I am willing to be your prisoner. I may not like to do these things, but because you bought me with your price, because you bought me with your blood, I am willing to be your prisoner. I am willing to do even the things that my flesh does not like to do. I want to be a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was in the prison, just for passing out gospel tracts, uh, me and my Bible college students, we were put in the prison. And when we were put in the prison, the police ex actually expected us to, um, you know, be angry and be screaming and, or, or be sad and be sitting. But we didn't do that. While we were in the prison, the Bible says Paul and Silas praised God. And that is exactly what we did. We turned a prison cell into the praising room. And we began to praise God in the prison cell. The police would come and ask us, hey, why are you praising? Uh, just, just lower down your volume. And we continue to sing praises to God. We continue to praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the, when the policeman came and asked us about it, we were able to share the gospel to him. My dear friend, it is a blessing to be a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ than to be a prisoner of the world. Yes, the world will entice you. Yes, the world will give you guilt and trap you and, and just leave, with, leave you with scars permanently. But the Lord says, I bought you with a price. If you wish to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me. Lord, the cross sometimes are heavy, and I don't like sometimes, but I'm willing to be a prisoner, and I'm going to take up my cross and follow you daily. And Paul says, 
Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not of the world, because we are made free. Not of man, because it brings a snare. We are not prisoners of man. We are prisoners of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number 2, the Bible says, And to our beloved Aphia and our keepers, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. We understand Philemon had opened, opened up his house to have the church come in. Now, church is not spelled with C-H-I-R-C-H. It's not church. It is church, C-H-U-R-C-H. C-H-U-R-C-H. Church is not an individual. Church is a group of Christians bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, called out of the world to glorify God, to edify the saints, and to evangelize the world. And that's why we need to be together. That's why we need to come together. That's why the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of the saints. It can meet anywhere, but it's not made up of one man. It's not about my husband is the pastor, wife is the deacon, and the son is the treasurer, and the daughter is an audience. No, it's a gathering of believers. That's the church. And to our beloved Afia and Archippus, our fellow soldier. Every Christian ought to be a soldier. Every Christian is a soldier, whether you like it or not. We are called to fight the good fight. We are called to fight for the faith. We are called to fight for our church. We are called to fight for our family. We are called to fight for our bride. We are called to fight for our children. Why the world is after God's people. As a roaring lion waiting to devour whom he can. And you and I, we are called to fight. Fight for our brethren, not giving up on them. Fight for our family, not giving up upon our families. Forgiving them, embracing them, encouraging them. As this morning pastor said, willing to walk in their feet, in their shoes to understand their position sometimes. It's not giving up, but fighting for them. Defending our church, defending our pastor, defending our family, defending our wives and husbands and children. We are called to be fellow soldiers. Soldiers fight for their nation. Soldiers fight for their people. We don't give up easily upon our people whom we love. We need to fight for them. We need to fight for our pastors. Sometimes we take pastors for granted. Sometimes we think, oh no, I appreciate the pastor in the month of October once in a year. He's not serving you just once in a year. He's serving us every day, praying for you every day, carrying that burden every day, sitting there and with the open Bible and studying so that he can feed you every day. Oh, how we should... Learn to appreciate our wives, our husbands, and children, and our pastors, and our church members. That's called fellow soldiers. Speaking highly about our wives. Speaking highly about our husbands. Speaking highly about our pastors. Your fellow soldiers. Forgiving for some shortcomings.
In my church, when I preach a hard message, sometimes people get offended. They get angry and they leave the church. And then I just make some chicken curry and take them and <laughs> some try to bring them back. It's a family. It's a love relationship. We got to understand each other. Church in thy house speaks about the body of Christ coming together as a local church, as a family. Don't give up. Satan is against Christian marriages, trying to destroy marriages, destroy families, destroy church. But you know what you and I as a Christian should do? Stand up and fight for the faith. Fight for our family. Fight for our pastors. Fight for our church members. How do we do that? By praying for them. By appreciating them. By saying I'm sorry. Verse number four, the Bible says, I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayer. Paul was praying. Paul prayed. He was a prayerful man. He was a prayer warrior. And he expects, that's what God expects you and me to do. Communicate with God every day in prayer. Prayer will make all things well. All things well. Prayer proves your abiding relationship with Jesus. When God says abide, when Jesus says abide in me and my words, words abide, you know, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, he shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And one way of abiding in Christ is praying to him daily, having a constant relationship. Prayer serves as an ice cube over the blood clot. As a detergent in our washing machine. Cleanses. It gives us a sweet spirit when we pray for the ones who have hurt. Verse number five. The Bible says, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Can I tell you, dear friends, how do you know that this brother and this sister loves God? Because that brother and that sister shows it by loving the brethren. When we love our brothers and sisters, we are actually radiating the love and the faith that we have for God. The Bible says, how can you love God if you cannot love the one that you can see? We'll be loving and faithful. Hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Look at verse number 6 and 7. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. The bowels of thy saints. Of course, the bowels get refreshed by good food. But the bowels also get refreshed by kind, encouraging words. 
Have you ever felt nervous and anxious about? And what actually happens is your bowel struggles. In India, we say there's a butterfly in my stomach. But some kind words can just bring peace in the turmoil. A refreshing words. Words of comfort. And sometimes when you don't have somebody to comfort you, dear beloveds, let's just become like David. My soul, my soul, why hast thou disquieted within me? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. And the Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. When we don't have anyone to encourage us, we can encourage ourselves in the word of God, in the Lord. Hospitality. I'm enjoying the hospitality in this church. And especially as Baptist, we are hospitable people by default. Because we all love food. And I don't think I should spend more time on that. <laughs> kind words are refreshing. Helping hand is refreshing. Sacrificial heart is refreshing. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the age, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. You know why sometimes we feel hurt when we feel that somebody has let down. I often get this hurt when I lead someone to Christ and I even invest in someone's life and that person betrays me or hurts me or gives up on me. You know why? Because I want that person to the Lord. And I love that person because he's a spiritual son, the son of my bond. And here we invest upon each other. And these things, Christ should, Christ is a glue that connects us. The Bible is a glue that connects us. And that's why we should not just give up. He says, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the age, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son. Onesimus, he's my son, I want him. You know, I don't want him to be left out. I don't want him to be forsaken. He just trusted Jesus Christ. Verse number 11, which in time past was to thee unprofitable. I know, Philemon, I know what he has done to you. I know he has hurt you. I know he was unprofitable, but now he got saved. He's a child of God. And can I tell you, dear friends, this church will not be what it is without you today. And each one of you are contributing with your time, your talent, your treasure, and your testimony. 
you are special and you are important while i agree with independent fundamental independent fundamental baptist but i like to say now i'm a dependent fundamental baptist i depend upon every church members i depend upon my brethren we depend upon each other and as a pastor you know our church is a smaller church and when certain chairs are empty on sunday morning my heart's hurts like man did i preach something wrong last sunday did i heard that you know did i say something in my preaching what did i do why is that sister not there today why is that brother not in the church why is that family and it goes on in my heart as a pastor why because i'm dependent upon them they bring joy to me as much as a pastor brings joy through the message and preaching the people in the pew bring joy and satisfaction to the pastors am i right pastor thank you so each one is important oh you know what nobody you know i have a i have lots of gift but nobody gives me opportunity no you have a gift so you can just get involved and come and talk and inform and just get involved and we all have gifts and we are supposed to use it amen, amen. because you are important each one is profitable each one is unique each one is gifted young people playing beautiful uh, musical instrument what a joy to see them people coming and singing for the glory of god a man comes up and prays and someone comes and reads the word of god i uh, yesterday when i saw others cleaning and getting ready for sunday service each one using their gifts and i'll tell you what if e if each and every one we all will get together and we all will serve we will not be finding faults but we will be finding things to appreciate one another verse number 14 the bible says but without thy mind would i do nothing that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity but willingly biblical ethics you know paul says you know you know philemon i led him to the lord you know he ran away from your house now i could do whatever i want but you know philemon i want to respect because he actually came from your house and even though i can use this person use an esmus but i i just want to be accountable to you i want you to know what is happening i want you to know and i, I you know what this is what is happened this is what has happened i can definitely use him is profitable to me but i am not going to cross the boundary i'm not going to be an unbiblical ethical person unethical christian and we all have to practice biblical ethics being accountable to one another being sensitive to the other person's need it's not about me it's about christ and we all need to die to ourselves when we give up that and say lord i surrender sometimes we all saying i surrender all but not my pew <laughs> 
I surrender all. But not my wallet. All to Jesus, I surrender. And we sing in the church, but there's so many things that we don't surrender. And God says, will you surrender? Will you become prisoner of Jesus Christ? And say, let him increase and I decrease. Esteeming others better than you. If we all become like this, what Paul is writing to Philemon and teaching these biblical truths to Philemon, say, you know, Philemon, if you and I will follow these and teach Onesimus, man alive, our church is going to be great. If Christians are going to be amazing, we will have more influence in the world. When we will all stand for each other and not fight among each other. Being sensitive, being considerate, don't betray. So Paul is saying, Verse number 13, whom I would have retained with me that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing. That thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. Not now as a servant, but above a servant. A brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he has wronged thee or owed thee aught, put that on mine account. Paul is setting a picture of the gospel. A picture of the gospel. You and I don't deserve any good in this world. What you and I deserve is eternal damnation. But how wonderful, how gracious, how loving our Lord Jesus is. That he became man, came into this world, and he took yours and my sins upon him. And he shed his blood on the cross and died for you and for me. Not putting that penalty on you, but upon him. And Paul says, you know what? That is gospel. I just, this evening, felt led to share this sermon in my heart. To you, as I was reading this chapter of Philemon, I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. And there are so many things this wonderful church is doing, what is mentioned in the Bible. It's not that I'm teaching, it's just I'm saying, this is exactly what you're doing. You're refreshing people's bowels. 
you are considerate. But if the Spirit of God is actually speaking to anybody, maybe today you say, Lord, I want to be your prisoner. I want to be the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's no longer my life. It's not my life. It's Christ's life. I am dying to myself today. Because I want Christ to be magnified in my life. I want Christ to be glorified in my life. It's not C-H-I-R-C-H. It is C-H-U-R-C-H. Philemon, will you do this as I write to you? And I believe Philemon received him because Philemon was a good Christian. I believe Philemon was obedient to the word of God. And that's what God is telling you and me. That you and I should be obedient to the word of God. Considering one another. Loving one another. Appreciating one another. Refreshing others. And when we put this into practice, what we will be seeing coming out of our life is the fruit of the spirit. Because when we put Philemon into our life and practice, we will become pregnant. We will conceive the fruit of the Spirit. And every day we shall deliver the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, long-suffering. I don't want to pull it for the sake of just pulling and speaking. But I believe... They can take, we can take something out of here from this scripture and say, I want to be like that Paul. I want to rise up and say, I surrender so Christ can be exalted. Christ can be magnified. That Christ can be glorified. That I may decrease that Christ may increase. Because it's not about you and me. It's all about him. It's all about him. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor.